Welcome back to the Incredibly Mediocre Podcast, where we are both incredible and mediocre at the same time. Today, we are reading Another Dark Secrets. It's part two, y'all. Woo, yeah, put that sound effect in. I can't remember where it is. Is it this one? Is it, is it this one? No, it's not that one. Is it this one? No. Is it this one? Not that one. Is it this one? Nope. This one? Yeah, this one. It's right here. Turn off other ones. Here we go. Yeah, another Dark Secrets episode. Now, these ones can be kind of dramatic, to be honest with you. So I'm not doing as much stupid commentary, but you know what? There's enough in there to, well, <laughs> where I fuck it up the tone. So, you know, let's just, uh, you know, let's get into it. Let's be serious about this, you know, because we're, we're adults and this is drama and, you know, we're all going to enjoy it. I mean, empathize with people, not laugh at it. No, do not laugh at it. Well, some of them can laugh at it. But, you know, there are some serious ones in here and, um, yeah, I think it was very brave of the original posters to comment them because they're they're pretty damn good so let's all cry with some internet strangers shall we let's get into it damn it i hit the thing don't ignore that this next post is from 675 throwaway i slept with a woman in my early 20s I didn't know at the time she was married. Through a series of random events, a few months later I discovered she was pregnant. The timeline matches up perfectly, and we did have unprotected sex. Her Facebook account was set to public, and I secretly followed along with her pre- and post-pregnancy posts. The thing is, her son looks like the spitting image of me and nothing like her husband. There is no doubt in my mind that I am his biological father. He was recently hospitalized, and his family started a GoFundMe account to pay for him to travel overseas and receive a surgical procedure to correct the reason for his hospitalization. I anonymously donated the full amount to the fundraising campaign. I guess it was the least I can do. Their family seems happy, and I would never do anything to jeopardize that. I guess I'll just I'll watch from the shadows, but inside, every time I think about it, it kills me. This next post is from Magyar Cat. Not all that dark, but I used to be one of the last school bus stops in fifth grade and in middle school. So, I used to jerk off in the back of the school bus and leave my cum on the floor. Mm, I don't know, I'm gonna have to disagree with you there, OP. That's pretty dark. Um, why don't you just, like, jerk off in the woman's bathroom like a normal person, you, you freak? Ew. This next post is from Penguin Shit 15. Oklahoma, 35-ish years ago. I lived in a nice neighborhood, but my good friend, he lived in a trailer park about a mile away. And his sister was hot. You know, and we kind of messed around behind his back quite a bit. And he, he never knew. If I'm going to be really honest, I think that I was only friends with him to get close to her. She was a year ahead of us in age. Anyways, her school, it let out an hour later. So it was just me and my friend. And we would play video games at my house and then we'd go back to his house. One day it rained a lot and it caused one of the creeks to flood over. So when we walked to his house, we had to go a different route. That's when we saw an animal struggling in the water. So we rescued it. It was a gopher 
Instead of letting it go, my friend, he wanted to keep it. He wrapped it in his jacket and took it home, where he always had an empty aquarium for, for some reason. He put dirt and carrots in there. We took a close look at the gopher, and it had long brown teeth. It was, uh, it was quite gross. Fast forward a few days. I went back over there, and the gopher had not eaten anything, so I told my friend to let it go. He agreed, and then he said, Hey, look at its teeth. Can you, can you see a difference? No. I said, why? Oh, because I've been brushing its teeth with Gina's toothbrush. I straight up said I didn't believe him. And he was like, yeah, watch this. And then he went and grabbed her toothbrush and then put tartar control crest on it and proceeded to brush the gopher's teeth. After he was done, he splashed some water on the toothbrush and put it back. He made me swear to never tell her. And you know what? I never did. I did quit making out with her though, because I just, I couldn't get the thought of her sharing a toothbrush with a gopher out of my head. You know, I, I wish we had never found that little gopher. That little fucker ruined a good thing. This next post is from Megat F. I dated a man for three months in the 90s and I didn't even know it. Me, a heterosexual male, grew up as a military brat. Never met a gay guy before. At least that I knew of at the time. I moved to America when I was 17. I went to a teens club with friends and one day the DJ calls me out and he tells me to come up to the booth. You know, he tells me I'm cool and he gives me his number. You know, I think I'm pretty cool so I accept I, without thinking anything of it. He always picked me up. We'd hang out at his house, we'd go to movies, we'd go to dinners and you know, he would pay for all of it. And damn, I thought I was cool. I turn 18 and I tell Rashad, the, the DJ, that I wanna go to a real club for my 18th birthday. He takes me to a club with a group of friends and we're dancing. Rashad comes up from behind me and says, can I dance with you? I tell him, what do you mean we're already dancing? He says, no with you time it, it stops i realize that only men are in this club in between the strobe lights i see dudes dancing with dudes guys kissing guys everywhere and now i'm awkward i'm an awkward teen who had never met a gay person in my life realizing i've been dating a man for three months and now i was at a gay club on my 18th birthday i tell rashad i want to go home he just laughs and says, it's too early. Rashad always paid for everything and I have no money for a cab and I can't call my mom to pick me up because I'm at a gay club and I'm an awkward teen. I just go to the bar and I order some orange juice because, well, I'm 18. I get hit on by every single dude for the next four hours at the club. On the way home, Rashad offers me $500 to play with my feet while he played with himself. Nothing will get on you, he says. And now, at the age of 38, my biggest regret is that I didn't take the damn money. I could only get foot rubs now if I pay someone. Wow, that, that's a tough one. I mean, 500 bucks for someone to play with your feet while they jerked off? I mean, would I do that? No, no, I would, I would never do that. No, I, w I wouldn't do that. That's, that's, 
I'm above that. <laughs> Maybe for a thousand though. Maybe you know I'm. You know I'm a whore, but I'm not a cheap whore. So a thousand, at least a thousand. You know no, not in this day and age. Not a thousand. That's not enough. Fifteen hundred. Final price. This next post is from Shaisu66. I beat up my mother's abusive boyfriend, well, now husband, 10 years ago when I was 16 and he was 50. He always screamed at me when I was a child and he always threatened to hit me. I finally snapped at the Kermis one year. The Kermis is a small festival in German towns. Well, in our town, after I had some beer, I was talking to one of my good female friends. She was 15 at the time. He came over to ask who she was because she looked uh, familiar to him. After hearing her name, he said, he, oh, he knows her father, but he never thought he could produce such a hot thing like her. At that moment, I remembered other female friends and my girlfriend mentioning that he looked at them weird. I hit him several times and just left him lying there. We walked back into the tent and kept drinking. I actually thought about going back to kill him, but... I didn't. He couldn't remember anything on the next day, but he had pain for a few weeks. This next post is from Primary Pin 9463. It was about 10 years into my career as a long haul truck driver. I'd seen lots of accidents during this time, some quite grisly, and I'd been in a few myself, but there was this one. It was about 10 o'clock at night and the sky was clear there was a decent amount of moonlight shining. I was returning home from a run with another 100 miles to go. I was on a lonely, winding highway road in the middle of the woods when I saw around a bend some tire tracks running off the road. I figured they were probably old and there was nothing to it, but I figured it would bug me if I ignored it, so I pulled off and went to check it out. I grabbed my flashlight and my pistol, because you never know, and I followed the tracks. It led me down a ravine, and at the bottom was another 18-wheeler. It looked terrible, like it tumbled a few times. The whole thing was crumbled like paper, and it was laying on its side. There was a small fire near the cab, so I started to back away in case that fire caught the gas tank. There was no way anyone survived that. I was turning to leave, but then I hear a man's voice call for help. I rushed over to the front of the cab and found the driver pinned in the crumbled cab. He was so utterly trapped, bleeding where the metal and glass were crushing his body. Then I saw the gas in the moonlight, moving like slow and terrible lava toward this poor man, already pooling around the cab. It was going to catch. There was, there was no way to stop the fire. And then there was no time. The driver looked at me with wild eyes and begged me to kill him. I knew, I knew he was going to burn. I had to hurry if I was going to save him from the pain. I had a pistol in the back of my pants. I, I took it out. I took aim. But I couldn't do it. I, I grew up reading the good book and I just, I couldn't take his life. The man started screaming, pleading, begging me to just shoot him. God, please, Jesus, kill me already. I don't want to die like this. But I was frozen. My whole body was shaking. I, I couldn't. And then the gas lit. 
all I wanted to do was run, run away from that horrible scene. But something in me said, you couldn't save him, don't let him die alone too. So I stayed, my feet like lead on the ground and I watched and listened as that man burned alive before my very eyes. I stayed there for a long time after that. I stayed until the sun came up and then I just climbed up the ravine, called in the accident over the radio, and drove the rest of the way home to my wife and my six kids. And for 40 years, I never told a soul. Never explained to my wife why I'd wake up in the night screaming. I never told anyone how I struggled to live with myself, how I felt I didn't deserve to live because I let that man burn. Why should I get to live my life with my wife and my kids? What, what about him? What about his family? Until one day, while on a drive with my youngest daughter, who was an adult at the time, I just told her. I told her the whole story. It was out of the blue, no prompting. I just I spilled my guts. I don't, I don't know if it was because it was a night like that terrible one years ago, and it made me feel like sharing, but I told her. Sure, that she, I was sure that she would hate me for killing a man by not choosing to shoot him. But instead, she just cried for me. She held me for a long time when we stopped the car, and I, and I cried too. I'm old now, and I don't know what'll happen to me when I die, but I still carry the guilt, and I always will. Guilt, not only for watching that man burn, but for being so grateful that that, that man wasn't me. This next post is from the Phantom Soprano. My family's been involved with drugs, murders, robberies, kidnappings in the past. <laughs> when I first heard about it, I was shocked as hell. But you know what? Looking back, it made so much sense. This whole ordeal being revealed to me, it just, it made me antisocial. You know, I used to be a huge extrovert before, you know, before I knew. And I just, I stopped taking my studies properly. In my grades, they started to dip. And you know what, as an Asian, this is a massive disappointment for the family. You know, I even thought about taking my own life. I've heard multiple times that when you have a massive problem that was taking a toll on you, you should talk about it to someone you trust. <laughs> However, you know, I was afraid of telling someone about it since, you know, I didn't want my family to get in trouble. Although my family, they're technically accomplices and the suspects of a lot of messed up shit. They were still people I loved and cared for. Eventually I found a person, a person I could trust, and I let them in on all of it. After a few years of knowing the secret, you know, I managed to deal with the thing. I slowly turned into the old me and everything was back on track. But you know what? I got to keep the feds off my trail by adding in the past. This next post is from Champ Chains. My grandfather isn't buried where my family believes him to be buried. <laughs> Long story short, my grandmother was murdered. My grandfather was the main suspect, but due to shoddy police work, all the evidence leaking him to the crime was inadmissible. And so, the case was never solved, and he died a few years later a free man. My mom believed, no, she knew that he was the killer. When he was cremated, he requested 
that his ashes be buried at the foot of my grandmother's grave. One night, my mom asked me if I wanted to go for a ride. So we drove to the cemetery. She dug up the urn of my grandfather and launched it like a goddamn rocket into the woods. I heard the smash. The wooded area where it was thrown was clear cut and turned into a parking lot for a mega church about 20 years ago. I'm the only person alive who knows this. This next post is from Freezer181. When backpacking in Australia, I lived in a hostel for a while. I had my own food stored space, but someone was stealing my cereal. There was about one fourth of the box left. So you know what I did? I decided to wipe a load of the pieces into my ass. So whoever was stealing my cereal, you were also eating my shit. Frosted flakes, they're more than good. They're good. They, they kind of taste like shit. This next post is from Fish Lizard. A while back, I broke into some corporate retail storage. I stole a lot. Years later, some evidence came up that pointed at me, and I was facing charges. The thing was, the evidence and how they handled it was all wrong or made up to get a conviction in a, in a sleaze way. They just happened to have the right guy, but everything else was wrong. And as soon as that was clear to the DA, they made him drop the case before he even started. You know, I, I got lucky. They were scumbags, but I guess so was I. Well, I live very generous and I'm kind to others now. More thankful and I have a new look on life. Practice no with me in the comments said, I heard this once said about OJ and it feels applicable. They tried to frame a guilty man. This next post is from Raised 2 I killed a squirrel. About two years ago, in a tree beside the house, two young squirrels got attacked by a big rat. They all dropped from the tallest high branches. The big rat died instantly. One of the young squirrels was not doing very well. So, my wife put it in a shoebox and we fed and watered him overnight. He was to return to his mother the next day. The second young squirrel appeared to have a broken spine due to the fall. Only his upper body was working. It was not even able to crawl. We ultimately decided to end its misery. We went to the shed and got a shovel. He looked afraid, of course. I had to hit him twice with the shovel. He even squealed in between. It was heartbreaking. The feeling came back to me recently while I was watching The Witcher Season 2. No spoiler, don't worry. At a certain moment, my wife looked at me. My eyes were all watery. And she said, the squirrel. And I was like, yes, sob, sob. Damn OP, I'm sorry that happened to you. You know, I know how you feel. I actually have a similar story that happened to me when I was younger. Uh, a young tale of, of tragedy, you know. Uh, it happened when I think I was like still into like little little kid shows like Kipper and Little Bear and Franklin and like Maggie and the Ferocious Beast, you know, you know, if you know, you know, in those shows, they, they, they teach specific types of lessons, right? You know, to, you know, have responsibility and be good to your neighbor and, you know, little shit like that. But, uh, we soon learned that, that those kind of things don't always apply to real life. 
because um one day our dogs are like freaking the fuck out we're like okay why are they freaking the fuck out we go outside and there's a hurt pigeon it's a hurt pigeon like one of its wings are broken or something but otherwise it looks fine so we go get my dad and uh he's like okay yep i see it uh, give me one second and he leaves right we think he's gonna come back with like a shoebox or something right uh, he um he comes back with a shovel and uh, you know i know what you're thinking i know you're thinking he that he beat the brains out of the pigeon in front of us no that would have been the humane thing to do now instead he scooped it up and he launched it over the fence and into oncoming traffic and my siblings and I, we just kind of look at each other like, uh, did that just happen? That just happened? Did our dad just murder a bird? Because, like, this didn't happen in Little Bear. It didn't happen in Franklin or Kipper or Maggie and the fucking versus Beast. No, their parents, they taught them responsibility, empathy to, to care about young hurt creatures. That's not the lesson our father wanted us to learn. No, 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 no. He wanted us to know that if you have a problem, you just fling it over the fence, and hopefully, it hits a car. This next post is from Melchizedek. A friend of mine was drunk driving down a dirt road in the middle of nowhere when it was about 2 a.m. He called me and his brother after he wrecked, so we went to where he was. Our friend was dead in the front seat. Stiff as a board, so it had been a good while since he died. The car was owned by the friend who was drunk, and he never let anyone drive his car. I am almost positive that he moved our dead friend into the driver's seat to avoid going to jail. At the time, I was 19, so I didn't have the mind to tell the suspicion to the cops, but we did call them, and they came out and they investigated it, but they cleared him. But I know he did it. This next post is from Arcoscar14. Okay, so I've never told anyone this, but uh, a few years ago, I was a college student at Murray State University. The dorms there weren't like previous colleges I'd went to, Western Kentucky. Instead of having an external bathroom down the hallway, we had a door in our dorms that led to a single toilet and shower. The thing is, it just wasn't mine in my roommate's bathroom. It was also linked to our neighboring dorm via the same door, but on their side. One night in November, whilst I was pooping, I noticed far too late that the water in the bowl was much lower than usual. After I had done my business and flushed, I turned back to see a single soldier left behind. You know how it goes, I flush and I flush, but it just it doesn't go down. Okay, so at this point I'm panicking, but you know I refuse to be the roommate that leaves poop in the bathroom that four people use. I look around for any kind of solution. And you know what? I find it. An empty Gatorade bottle. Through science and physics, I squeezed the bottle and was able to essentially vacuum up the poop that was left in the toilet. So now I'm thinking, great, my roommate will come home any minute to see I have a Gatorade bottle with a single turd inside of it. And you know what? At that moment, I hear the door rattle. He's unlocking the top latch. Soon, the bottom latch. You know, I couldn't tell you why I didn't just hide the bottle, but I can tell you that I instead opened the dorm window and proceeded to dump it. I was staying on the sixth floor, and by the time I dumped it, all I heard from below was a commotion and confusion. 
I immediately slammed the window shut and started doing jumping jacks. My roommate, he just comes in and sees me working out. He thinks nothing of it, but it's me. I am the mad pooper of Murray Street. They'll never catch me. You know, I've heard stories of the mad pooper, but I didn't think he was real. I just thought it was myth or legend. But now I know that you are real. I gotta say, I hope your past catches up with you and they nail you to the fucking wall. This next post is from Where's the Lamb Sauce 27. From the age of 14 to 32, I had an affair with my best friend's mom. It all started when I was 17. She became pregnant. She ended up just pretending that she became pregnant by the dad, and the baby was raised as such. To this day, neither the dad, my best friend, or any of the siblings know. The funniest part about this whole thing is that the kid is the only one in the family with blue eyes and nobody questioned it. This next post is from Curious Smell. I've been married for 20 years now and I'm not in love. I've never been in love and I've never really been able to connect with anyone. I've never met anyone and thought, my God, she's the one. My life is a lie. And I pretend to love my wife and I treat her well and she's happy but no one knows the truth. My one wish is that she would find someone else and just be happy so I don't have to encourage her to leave me. But I do love my two kids. They are my shining light. Oh P, come on, 20 years? You dragged your wife along for 20 years and, and didn't love her? My god, that's what the dating phase is for, dude. I mean, after you didn't love her, after like, I don't know, a good period when you're supposed to love someone, <laughs> I love six months. After you decide you didn't really care for this person, after six months, a year, two years, you know, after time keeps going by, you should definitely know by a fucking year, right? You should know if he loves someone. Dude, you just sound like a giant little bitch. Just a little bitch, man. You're a little bitch. Like, come on, you're, you're really fucking someone over and... That's your dark secret. That's a pretty dark secret. You know, there, and there's dog fuckers on here. So, you know, you're just as bad as a dog fucker. In my opinion. So, you know what? You need to tell your wife. You need to tell your kids. I mean, don't tell your wife that you didn't love her. Because that's... that You should probably die with that one, dude. Uh, make something up. Something... I don't know. D don't tell her that you didn't love her for 20 years. Because no one wants to be pretend loved. Damn, you're a dick. Fix your goddamn wife. This next post is from Gatmaster Splat. When I was 13, I was robbed by a guy on the street. He grabbed my clear Game Boy, you know, the Play It Loud edition, out of my hand and he just walked away with it. I was so pissed and I wanted revenge. I smashed my face on the wall a few times and I roughed myself up. I told my mom I resisted and he pulled a gun on me and then he punched me a few times. She called the cops, of course, and they picked him up. Then they asked me to come out and identify him. At this point, he's legit crying, saying he only took it, he didn't have a weapon, he didn't hit me. What was I talking about? He ended up selling the Game Boy for crack, so he had possession charges added as well. I went to court and I lied under oath. 
He had priors, so he ended up getting 12 years when he likely would have just been sentenced to time served in probation if I hadn't lied. In an odd coincidence, his sister is now my boss. While I never mentioned it to her, I'm reminded about what a dick I am whenever I see her. This next post from Stigstig76. So I'm 10 years old and I'm playing and I'm throwing stones with my friends. I know, I know, it's dumb. Well, I misjudged one in particular. In my throw, it went straight through the living room window of a very sweet and very old and also blind old lady who lived on our street. Mayhem ensued. All of our parents came rushing out to find the poor old lady freaking out. Thinking quickly and being the complete little shit that I was, I pointed the finger at the quietest kid in the group whose stutter prevented him from being able to articulate himself very well, especially under stress. I unfortunately managed to convince our parents that Paul, the stutterer, threw the stone and as a result, his dad beat the shit out of him and he received no Christmas presents that year. His parents had to replace the window and his dad was out of work at the time. Oh, I still feel wretched about it to this day. This next post is from Substantial Judge 50. One day I witnessed a murder and I never told anyone. I was on the run from my group home agency. I was walking one day. As a homeless individual on the run does, I witnessed a few young gangsters kill a man because he couldn't pay them back. I just heard them from afar without getting noticed. I watched this man beg for his life and then BAM 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 All of a sudden they scatter and they say let's go before the cops come Oh man I just I blame myself every day for being a coward and just running away but I was scared I was scared as soon as the cops pulled up that they would just wrongfully arrest me or, or shoot me or maybe I would be killed by the men who, who killed that poor guy this next post is from Desperate Metal 3925. I nearly coordinated with family to kill a child. We were in the light planning stages, but we never carried through due to doubt, shame, fear of being caught, whether or not we succeeded. The child in question, well, he was adopted. Both by our parents were so neglectful to him as a newborn that he was removed from the home. Something happened with the bio mom and she signed away parental rights ASAP, then left the state. And the bio dad, he ended up going to prison for a monstrous sex crime. His crime involved weeks of captivity for his victim. All of the men in the bio dad's family are big guys with various histories of sexual violence and or addiction or both, regardless of life path and level of personal success. For example, the bio-grandfather was one of the most economically and socially powerful people in the community. He was an alcoholic and he threw two of his kids out second and third story windows and he beat his wife. It just seems this violence, it goes back generations. Nearly all of them have documented major impulse control issues and look like slightly individualized copies of their fathers. Regardless of where they ended up or what they did or who raised them, traceable and recorded histories of being spouse and child beaters, hypersexual addicts, thrill seekers, criminals. 
even though the baby was removed from his birth home at less than a year old, he has been noted to share a lot of the childhood mannerisms with his bio dad. Having seen photos or videos of him, he laughs and he pouts and he carries himself nearly identical, despite being raised by entirely different people his whole life. From the time he could speak, he lied constantly, compulsively to the point where it was just easier to assume that he was always lying. He'd steal anything and everything that drew his attention. As soon as he was big enough, and this just meant being able to stand and grasp appropriate tools, he started abusing animals and other children smaller than himself. At five years old, we caught him trying to stick his penis in the mouth of an old, small, bred dog that was missing teeth, and it was so weak it couldn't fight back. That same week, we pulled him away from a cat he was trying to impale with a broom. He also injured another dog so badly it ended up dying even after getting emergency care. You know, we don't have proof, but we are pretty certain he killed a beloved family pet via smothering him a couple years later. If not supervised around pets, he will beat, kick, or attempt to feed non-food items. The only exception so far has been a stray kitten he brought in and adopted and he absolutely adores it. But this has been unsettling in that he unknowingly, without anyone telling him this, has exhibited another one of his father's behaviors. You see, his father, he also had a cat that he adored. And he also got that cat when he was a kitten, just as he has. He became addicted to hardcore and illegal porn at 11. He even stole phones, tablets, laptops from classmates and then brought them home to access it after his adoptive mom in desperation got rid of all the devices and the internet in the house. At that age, he attempted blinding his mom on multiple occasions, tampered with food and drink to make her sick, hit her glasses, contacts, medication. He even hit her in the stomach so hard she couldn't breathe, then stood over her laughing as she cried. She locks her bedroom door at night and puts noise-making items in front of it because she's afraid of him. Every year, he gets in regular trouble for things like randomly stabbing other kids with sharp utensils, theft from both students and staff, creep-shotting classmates, making threats, etc. Everything you can think of. Talks, discipline, quality time, distractions, nothing seemed to make a difference. He just learned early on to hide whatever would get him in trouble. Catching him abusing animals is, was terrifying. Even when he was a toddler, glassy-eyed, face bright red, breathing hard while giggling this extremely quiet and high-pitched maniac giggle with a smile bigger than anything else, totally locked in on whatever torment he's administering. I've seen him in this mode when he thinks no one else is watching. When he's destroying, hiding, stealing things that belong to others. When he's looking at things he shouldn't. Glee is the only word that comes to mind. Absolute glee when he's engaged with something he knows is wrong or causes pain. Many times we've tried to talk him out of it. Make him understand why it's wrong to do these things and hurt others. He just gets frustrated with himself, even gets mad and cries. But when talking it out... Not because he felt bad, but because he knows he would get in trouble. 
He knows people don't trust or like bad people, so he doesn't want to be seen as a bad person. When asked why he did the things he did and he knows are wrong, he says things like, when I get an idea for something, I want to do it. I can't stop myself. It just happens. I don't want to be bad, but I can't help it. It's like I'm just watching myself. And I don't know why it's so fun to hurt things. I just want to do it. I can't stop myself from wanting to do it. It feels good. It just makes me happy when I make things hurt. He was saying stuff like this when he was five to six years old. All of the local houses with children in them have banned him from an early age. He would tell all the relevant adults he was friends with the kids and they would just let him walk right in. Well, before eventually becoming unwelcome because of all the above issues. When he was 10, he finally started therapy and has two people he sees regularly. He's on medication, but he hasn't gotten better. So much as he's gotten better at not getting caught. When he slips up, it's obvious. And he's still escalating and getting into more extreme and harmful behavior. He sneaks out and rides around with his friends on bikes. He calls them friends, but he describes them as people he doesn't care about. They just like the same things he does, and they offer safety to him in numbers. To give an idea of what the friend group quality is like, one was recently pulled out of school after threatening to do a copycat shooting imitating the recent Oxford shooting. He complains to his mom that his friend's parents don't care what they do, so why does he have to tell her where he wants to go and what he's doing? Why doesn't he get to go out at night, vape and drink and etc? He sneaks out and he hangs out with these boys. At this point in time, his mom is effectively disabled and unable to discipline him or guide him. Dad, well, he's totally disengaged and he's given up. In either of them, they spend their free time away from home or they're working. He's about to start high school and he's already 5'5 and 160 pounds and he's still rapidly growing. If he continues this trend for men in his bio dad's family, he'll top out around 6'4, 6'6 and he'll be a brick wall of a man. When he was seven, I and a handful of other adults in his life had a series of several grim talks coordinating an event, an accident. It would be brutal, it would be quick, and it would be very hard to prove as a witness. But none of us could stomach the idea of condemning and executing a child for his potential to do harm. We all wanted to hope the best for this guy. Try to steer him right. Years later, there's this constant fear and worry that we didn't choose the right thing. It's all damage control and reduction with him now. Talking in normal reward consequence structures, they just don't work with him. No, he's not as extreme as some of the worst cases I've heard about when it comes to various combos of RAD, FAS, ODD, he's been officially diagnosed by the way, genetic predisposition to addiction, dopamine regulation issues, and physical ability to do harm. But that's mostly because at the end of the day, He's honestly just kind of lazy and unmotivated and reluctant to jeopardize his personal level of comfort and entertainment. It feels fucked up to be grateful for that. He doesn't want to work for things like junk food and video games, but he'll rage if they're actively taken away. 
So as long as he knows he can effectively just crash at home and do whatever he wants, he mostly just does that. His mother doesn't want to help him. She doesn't want to help him learn to drive or get a job because she's scared what he'll do if he gains mobility and independence. She's scared what he'll do if he feels he doesn't need her anymore. It often feels like the best case scenario for this kid is that he grows up and only ends up hurting himself. I have so many stories about how when he locks in on something he wants, he can be alarmingly clever to acquire it. But he still lacks the most basic common sense, empathy, or restraint, even when he's excited or focused on a goal. You know, I want to believe he'll break the cycle, grow into a decent man, live an okay life, and just be some average dude quietly doing his thing. But it feels painfully naive as we watch him all just grow into this evil, evil thing. He still gets that glee face when he thinks no one is looking, and the things that give him that face, they haven't changed. The only things that have changed is that he's bigger now, and he's gotten a lot better sense of how important it is to not get caught. Well, that's a ticking time bomb. Holy shit. Damn. That's, that's interesting to think about. You know, the whole nature versus nurture thing. I guess it's both, you know? Some people, they're just, they're born evil. Maybe nature creates these like murderous evil people as a form of population control. I don't know. It's, it's weird, but it seems to be in his nature to just do harm. Now, the cat thing was very, very interesting. His dad had a similar cat. Now, if I was uh, into all that uh, demonology and, and spirits and stuff, I would say maybe that cat was possessed and that cat jumps around and goes into the uh, the evil bodies of that fucking weird, horrible brick wall guy family. I don't know. That's crazy to think about. Interesting, but crazy. And I'm going to end it there. Yes, that thank you for listening to another episode of Dark Secrets Part 2. I'm going to do a part 3 cuz there's there's a lot more. There's a, there's a fucking crazy amount of these really <laughs> really interesting confessions that people have. And you know what? I just want to say to everyone that I've read despite the stupid fucking comments that I have, I hope you're doing okay cuz yeah, there's some traumatic shit in here, you know. And I know it seems like I'm capitalizing on your pain and it's you know, uh, entertainment, but I mean, it is, but I hope you're doing well. They're doing good. Hope you're doing well. And, um, I know if you were listening to this, cause it's such a popular podcast, but yeah. Um, have a, have a good day. Have a good night. Have a good, uh, go fuck yourself. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>